to Grizz Grades, the coaching tree. Bonus episodes. Ryan Tutel here along with Colton Nuan is outstanding to uh, have you along. Thanks for checking in on the pod. And this is going to be a cool one. These are two guys, two outstanding players for the University of Montana who both played for Larry Kristoviak and Wayne Tinkle, were both on the team and major pieces of the team uh, that beat Nevada in the NC2A tournament. The last win, as we've documented at, uh, documented at nauseum, that won a game in the tournament, not just for Montana, but from the entire Big Sky Conference. And interestingly enough, two guys who were actually both recruited by Pat Kennedy, though they never played for him. So there's just this interesting sort of connection over these three guys. But Andrew Strait and Jordan Haskett on this episode of The Bonus. And first identified by Wayne Tinkle because Tinkle was on Kennedy's staff, right. remained on Kristoviak's staff, and then took over. So he's sort of the tie that binds. But Andrew Strait out of West Valley High School in Yakima, Washington, came to Montana as an incredibly skilled but maybe you know, not the most top-level athlete and had one of the great careers in Grizz history. He is still eighth all-time in program history in scoring, one of only eight players to ever score 1,600 points in his career. Shot more than 60% four seasons in a row, a career 61% field goal shooter, which makes him, I think, the sixth or seventh in the history of the Big Sky Conference, depending on how many active games a couple guys that are still going are at. His best year, his sophomore year. He was a first-team All-League player that year, three-time first-team All-League player, but as a sophomore, nearly 17 points per game, and perhaps his best game came in that NCAA tournament win over Nevada. He was unstoppable. He's 9 of 14 from the field. He dominated Nick Fazekas, who was a projected NBA first-round draft pick, and it's one of those special moments where you just catch lightning in a bottle. In In terms of Jordan Haskett, you can't understate the pressure that comes with coming from a third or even if you trace it back long enough, fourth generation Grizz who grew up in Missoula, the son of formerly Doris Deedon, one of the all-time greatest Lady Grizz ever, Karen Deedon, his aunt, one of the greatest women's basketball players to ever come out of the state of Montana, started at the University of Washington before playing in the United States Basketball Association as well as the WNBA Another one of his aunts, Don Siliker, a thousand point scorer for Lady Grizz, a dad, a grandpa, a great grandpa that all played for the Grizz, an unbelievable lineage. And then to go to Missoula Sentinel and just have people be hoping and praying. I mean, Jordan Haskett was six foot seven when he was in eighth grade. So people were hoping and praying that he would stay in Missoula. And he had a lot of opportunities to not, and then he did. And even with the spotlight so bright on him, he still became a 1,300 point scorer. And absolutely lived up to his family name well and he's got a great story too because let's just say this we won't spoil it for you but the first time he met Larry Krasoviak was not as a head coach recruiting him to play basketball he no, was he was coach he was K. No, yeah yeah for 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 a long time so that's pretty funny as well these are a couple of uh, really fun interviews our thanks to uh Andrew Strait and Jordan Haskett for doing this with us and I think gives you a lot of insight on on the whole program and the transition certainly from uh from coach K to coach Tinks as well Grizz Greats, the Coaching Tree podcast, is brought to us, Coulter, in part by Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate. Mike Bryan, Mike Nugent, and Gary Bryan of Berkshire Hathaway are all fierce supporters of the University of Montana men's basketball team as well as Grizz Athletics as a whole. And at Berkshire Hathaway, they pride themselves on providing the community of Western Montana with full-time real estate professionals who are here for you whenever you need them. Their reputation as the state's most knowledgeable and available real estate group has helped them build unmatched trust in the Garden City and around the entire state of Montana. Mike Nugent himself, a Missoula native, and like Jordan Haskett, went to Missoula Sentinel, 
Mike's an expert when it comes to any and everything in the real estate industry in the city of Missoula and around western Montana. Whether you are in the market to buy or sell commercial or residential real estate, or you just have questions about the entire process, whether it's getting pre-approved for a mortgage or figuring out exactly what it is you want or what your market might be, give Mike Nugent a call. You can reach Mike at 406-531-1802. That's 406-531-1802. You can also find him at every single one of the Grizz men's basketball games. Mike Nugent of Berkshire Hathaway Real Estate. Berkshire Hathaway, your local real estate experts. Again, our thanks to Andrew Strait and Jordan Haskett. Please enjoy this bonus episode of Grizz Grace, the coaching tree. Well, welcome to Grizz Greats, the Coaching Tree podcast series bonus episodes with a guy who played for two coaches you might have heard of. Andrew Strait joining us, played from 04 through 08 for the Grizzlies for both Larry Kristowiak and Wayne Tinkle, was on the last team to win a game in the NC2A tournament. Andrew, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? You're welcome. Good morning, fellas. Good to be here. I'm good. Thank well, you. Well, we're certainly happy to have you here. And so you come to the University of Montana in 2004, Larry Kristoviak's first year, but you're from Yakima, Washington originally. How did you get on to Montana's radar and specifically Coach K's radar and say, yeah, that's where I want to go play ball? <laughs> yeah, kind of an interesting uh, sequence of events. I played with a, a club team out of Seattle, Seattle Rotary Select. It was actually a pretty, pretty stacked team. Um, and just on the AAU circuit, kind of got connected with, with Montana and specifically with Wayne Tinkle. No mystery that it was easy for us to kind of form a connection. Next thing you know, I came out for an official visit, really loved the school, the campus, the basketball team, everything they had to offer. I was actually recruited by uh, Coach Kennedy, um, and then it just so happened that the same time I was coming in as a freshman, um, he, he left to go to Towson, I believe, and then mm-hmm. Coach Case took, came in and took over. So kind of a fortunate blessing in disguise, I guess, or, or turn of events for, for us, obviously, with what transpired after. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was great. When you were coming into a program where the guy that maybe initially recruited you was leaving, that was probably an interesting decision for you as a young guy, but also Pat Kennedy, Larry Kostoviak, a bunch of different guys, too. So I'm sure that a lot of guys that are already in the program – Maybe a little shock to the system for them, too, when Coach K comes in just because he is such a demanding guy. So what do you remember about your thoughts when Pat Kennedy first decided he was leaving and, and just the way that maybe the team reacted to Larry yeah. taking the job? Definitely some uncertainty. I mean, thinking back, like, 18 years old, you know, going into a, a college basketball program uh, as a freshman, just a lot of questions in general, and then yeah, you know, the guy that you've kind of connected with throughout the recruiting process, stepping stepping out of the picture and having somebody else come in. Yeah, it was it was a little it was a little uncertain, but I think, you know, the more I got to know Larry, uh he obviously had a really really good reputation, very positive kind of rapport uh with people in Montana, and the second, you know, you meet the guy and interact with him a little bit, you really kind of have this instant uh reassuring feeling that that you're in good hands and he was going to take the program in the right direction. So I think some of that anxiety was short lived and was really just overcome by excitement and uh, optimism. You know, the couple of years before you arrived, Montana, you know, had not maybe been as good as they had at other times. And yet immediately, I mean, your freshman year when, and, and coach K taking over, you guys are the best team in the big sky and end up going to the tournament both years and winning that game. Did you know that there was, you know, that potential right away to be good like that? I think we knew that we had something special with the group of guys we had and 
that coaching unit too definitely brought a different element than years past. But it's hard to say, like you know, in the moment, like knowing how great we were, we we ended up becoming, and and we could be. But we definitely just, I mean, the the chemistry, the way that we kind of all complemented one another. Everybody was just bought into the system and and what the coaches were were preaching, and um, it all worked really well together. What do you remember specifically about the group of guys? I mean, what do you think made you guys a special group? I think we were just an unselfish group, and that that I would credit Coach K for. Everybody had a role on the team, and we just were all willing to do whatever it took to win. Um, if you were playing five minutes a game or 35 minutes a game, everybody just had that mentality that when I'm called upon, I'm going to come in and give it my all and hopes for, you know, to help the team come out on top. So I think uh, that was a big part of it. And we also had a, you know, a talented group, I would say. We definitely don't accomplish what we did without that talent level. And so coach, Kristoviak just had a way of, of getting every little last bit of talent and energy and effort out of his guys. Take us through a practice. What's a practice like under Larry Kristoviak? <laughs> uh, to be honest, I mean, it's hard to like recollect. Because uh, <laughs> you just blacked like, out, right? <laughs> yeah, and I mean, it's, a, it's a kind of a blur, and I think that's just uh, is a kind of a harsh reminder of how long ago that was. <laughs> but, uh, no, it was intense. I mean, it was, it was regimented. We, we warmed up. Um, and then from start to finish, you know, like I just kind of, kind of said, he, he just expected a lot out of everyone. And when it was time to go, it was time to go. So we would leave it all out there. And we knew that we we're going to be in the gym for two, three hours, whatever it was, we would need to bring our best, version of ourselves, and uh, really put everything else aside at the door and just uh, make sure that we got better during that time. You know, on the outside looking in, in within a basketball context, seems to me about the only things that Coach Kostoviak and Coach Tinkle have in common is they're giants and they played at Montana. <laughs> and I'm wondering when you have, you know, fun-loving and, and sort of players guy Wayne Tinkle and seemingly more serious and much, you know, kind of a little bit more on the edge uh, in some ways in Coach Kostoviak. What was it like with both of those guys, the dynamic on the bench those first couple of seasons? Yeah, again, I think um... – it's hard to like recall very specific feelings or emotions about it. I, I do think they were different, but they were both like a very, you know, commanding presence and both highly respected guys. So yeah, Larry really set the tone. I think just coming in with his demeanor and his expectations, he really demanded respect and demanded the best out of you. And, uh, you know, you kind of felt that like every time you interacted with him. So you, you really just wanted to to make him happy and not to let him down with, with your efforts. And Wayne, I think, you know, when he took over, I was a junior. Uh, we had that established relationship. I think he had that with a lot of the guys in the group. So it was kind of an interesting dynamic, you know, just him changing roles from that assistant coach to the head guy in charge. And I think, you know, that was a, a learning experience for everyone, but he handled it well, and obviously he's doing great things now. Um, and I think just it was, it was special for me to be a part of like his transformation as well, um, because we had such a 
a good connection, a good relationship from the start. Um, and everybody loves Coach Tinks. Um, he had the same type of, you know, approach and outlook and really demanded a lot of us and really wanted the best for all of us, both, you know, in the gym and just outside of that in the classroom. You know, at the point that that transition happened, there's a you know a space of of maybe a couple of days or whatever where Coach K is announced that he's going, and you don't know necessarily that Coach Tinkle's taken over. So when you find that out, I'm sure there's like, oh man, okay, what's going to happen here? And then you find out that it is Tinkle. So what was the just sort of the gamut of emotions as a player right yeah. in the middle of your career during that time? Yeah, I think we were all kind of disappointed that Coach K was leaving naturally. We had a lot of momentum built up and some really good chemistry and um, just momentum, I guess, is the right word. We had we had built a really solid team those first couple years, and we were all excited about where we could go under Coach K, having just come off a, a tournament win and uh, having another strong recruiting class coming in. Things were looking really good for us. And then, yeah, the announcement came that he was leaving – met with the team we of course all understood why that said you know it it was still a tough time given that we feel like we had barely kind of scratched the surface for for what we could achieve but those feelings were kind of eased a little bit when we found out that it was was tanks that was going to be taken over Uh, we knew him we loved him we all had confidence in him we had the trust of the guys so we 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 did feel like we were in good hands uh, which certainly helped us through that period of time Um, and everyone was equally excited to get to work and felt that we could still achieve everything that we had built so far and everything beyond that under coach tinkle one of the things that sort of reopened the doors for uh, i guess bigger things for larry kostoviak was that amazing win you guys had over nevada in the 2006 ncaa tournament and you you and i have talked about it in the past but it's interesting because now each year that it goes by, that win resonates even more around the rest of the Big Sky Conference and within the University of Montana because no one has broken through since then. The Big Sky has the longest drought of any league in the country, uh, which in itself is wild. I think part of that's just because they haven't gotten the 16 versus 16 game that some of the other leagues have done right. to notch their tournament win. But nonetheless, it was an amazing afternoon. I remember I was a sophomore at the University of Montana. I remember sitting down at a local establishment and watching it and just freaking out. Just, I couldn't believe yeah. my eyes. But for you, I mean, you yourself in that game, one of the best games of your whole career. But what do you remember mm-hmm. just about the entire experience of going to the NCAA tournament for a second time, but not only sure. that, breaking through and winning a game? I often will cite that as like the best single basketball experience of my career. Uh, when I'm asked, just everything about it was extremely special. The feeling, you know, leading up to tournament time and just um, winning the Big Sky Tournament, uh, everyone was just flying high. And then, uh, I don't know, the group just really felt good going into that game. And I think we all felt like it was our time. Uh, We had played the previous year in Boise and lost to University of Washington. Obviously, their team was loaded. They were one seed that year. We gave them a decent game for um, for the seeding and the matchup, but um, we left that game and that year feeling like I mentioned earlier, like we can do better. We have only scratched the surface, and uh, I think that second year going back, we really knew that the time was now, and we really liked the matchup. Nevada was a great team, very big, strong, athletic team. 
but uh, we had just we did what we had been doing all year and really trusted each other. Like I said earlier, everybody kind of knew their role and was committed to giving their all to whatever uh, amount of time they played. And uh, yeah, I think it was just an amazing time. And then the feeling after that win, um, there's there's just nothing like it. I watch I watch the tournament every year, of course, and it just gets me back into that place and brings all those feelings to the surface again because I see teams win and I know what they're feeling and what they're going through and it's just a really special thing and for that group of guys and that fan base it's hard to compare it to anything it was uh it was a really great time in, in life and for the the University of Montana what sort of impact has that had just on your mentality in life? Because I think we talked to a lot of guys that played college sports, and a lot of times you know, it's a grind to play D1 basketball, certainly, but sets the stage for a lot of success. And it sounds like you yourself living in Portland are having a lot of success as a family man mm-hmm. out there. But, I mean, what, what sort of sure. influence do you think the University of Montana and, and specifically those two coaches, Larry Kostovic and Wayne Tinkle, have had on your life? I mean, it's hard to even quantify it, I think. I absolutely cherished my time at Montana. I don't get back there enough, to be honest. Try to get back for homecoming every couple years, but you know, with the job and the kids, it just doesn't happen as much as I'd like. I wish I could have found a way to to stick around there after college because it really is just such a special place that uh, I loved it that much. And yeah, the lessons learned from from Larry and Wayne, I think, still resonate very much to this day. I've I've taken so much from my athletic career and. I think people that work and the people that work for me probably get tired of me talking about like <laughs> comparisons with sports and life and all my analogies with coaching and um, everything else, but it's such a big part of who I am. And I think, uh, you know, playing under those, those guys, those great greats and those role models, um, Larry and, and Wayne was, you know, everything to do with that. I, I learned so much from them and, you know, just that's such a, pivotal time in in kids lives going to to college on your own as an 18 year old i was fortunate to have had the influence or been exposed to to those two guys and and just had uh had the opportunity to learn uh and go through that period of time with them well andrew we certainly appreciate you joining us on the podcast remembering your time at the university and playing for for coach k and coach tinks we appreciate it very much Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, and uh, I'm always happy to, to talk Grizzly basketball, and hopefully we'll do it again soon. Grizz Greats presented in part by Stockman's Bar. Stockman's Bar, a favorite local institution of Missoula. Great article in the local newspaper earlier today about the most affordable drinks in the city of Missoula, and the picture was... Our good friends Mike and Donnie Larson, the owners of Stockman's Bar. No surprise there. That's not false advertising. It is the cheapest beers that I have found in the city of Missoula. It is $3 from open until close. There is no happy hour. There is no specials. It's $3 draft beers. They have not just domestics. They have all your favorite crafts. They got the cold smoke. They got the hay bag half. They got it all. And if you get some Dobie's Teriyaki right inside Stockman's Bar, it's $2. You're not going to find a cheaper beer anywhere in town. Stockman's is amazing, man, because they have invented and reinvented themselves uh, over the course of time, you know, repeatedly, and even over the course of a given day, you know, you go in there during the day, you can sit down, play some cards, have a nice conversation, bend at the elbow for a little while on some cold and uh, inexpensive beers. 
then a little later on, you can get yourself some food. Then they get the music cranked up. You can go in there and have yourself a real proper downtown party. Obviously, they got the poker table in there. You can still sit down and play at from time to time. It's remarkable how many different ways you can interact with the same establishment. And uh, I guess that's what you get for having been in business over 50 years out at Stockman's Bar. The history of Missoula, the history of the University of Montana Athletic Department is on display at Stocks, too. Some of the old advertising posters, some of the old uh, magazine and newspaper ads that some of the locals and regulars have produced throughout the years that they have hanging up in there are fun to look at. They have the jerseys of every single Grizz guy that's gone to the NFL signed on the wall. A favorite hangout for a great many of these former University of Montana men's basketball coaches. So head on down to Stockman's Bar in downtown Missoula on Front Street. $3 drafts from open to close. And as the famous saying at Stocks goes, liquor up front and poker in the rear. Welcome to Grizz Greats, the Coaching Tree podcast series bonus episode. I'm happy to bring in a guy who uh, played for the University of Montana five seasons, redshirt, and then uh, freshman through senior year in 04 through 09, two seasons with Larry Kristoviak, and then three seasons with Wayne Tinkle and a uh, family lifer at the University of Montana, the basketball side of things, Jordan Haskett with us. Jordan, thanks so much for being here. We appreciate it. Did you have any choice other than to go to the (laughs) University of Montana, given the long history of your parents, aunts, uncles, Lady Grizz, Grizzlies all over the place? You know, my, my family was pretty good about uh, leaving it up to me. I actually took the other place I was seriously considering was uh, Santa Clara. I took a visit down there, and that visit, <laughs> that yeah, that was a fun visit. They uh, they roll out the red carpet for you and, and basically let me go party the whole time. I'm not complaining about that visit. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, um, I still didn't go there. But I took took a fun visit, and it was. I always knew I wanted to stay. I and I don't know. I didn't. I when I was originally getting into it all, um, I was kind of thinking I would maybe go. I don't know, a little ways from Montana. So like, if we, I, I was talking to Boise State for a while, and then also UW, but none ever. Uh, amounted into actual scholarships. So I definitely wanted to play on scholarship right away. I was told I could walk on at UW and then earn one, but I didn't want to do that. So I was kind of considering that a little bit. But, I mean, in the end, it was it was basically going to be the Grizz probably. How much of that was just instilled in you when you were a kid? Your mom was one of the great Lady Grizz players of all time and multiple aunts that played for the program too. And Karen Dean, one of your aunts, who – Went out of State University of Washington, was one of the great women's basketball players to ever come out of Montana. And then all the all the ties on the guy's side, too. I mean, was it instilled in you, just the pride of being a Grizz from a young age? Yeah, it was pretty early. And, I mean, uh, Crisco, Crisco actually lived in my basement. I mean, if you don't know background on him, uh, Larry Kristoviak, he grew up in Shelby. He was friends with my dad when they were kids and all the Haskets. Um, and then he moved to Missoula in high school. So we we had a good relationship with him while he was playing in town. You know, my dad was at all the games, and then Crisco lived in our basement for a while when he was playing in the NBA and uh, building his lake place up at Flathead. So we go way back with him, and then Wayne. I used to when I was a kid used to say Wayne was my favorite favorite Grizz of all time. I'm pretty sure he brainwashed me there, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I mean, and Crisco he gets 
he gets the NBA contract. He buys my family shoes with his with the shoe contract. He's sending me Jordans every Christmas or so. So if, if the NCA found out about that, they'd probably go back and and make a few of our wins <laughs> ineligible. But yeah, so I mean, yeah, it was it was definitely going to be probably maroon through and through. Was it interesting though when cuz I mean not many guys when they when they go to play at a program have that sort of relationship with the guys that they're going to play for. Now all of a sudden you're in a player coach role not just hey this is the guy in my basement role. And so, <laughs> you know, when when you get to that point and you you kind of enter this new dynamic, what was that like for you? Yeah, it was kind of crazy how things developed because Kennedy actually brought me in. And then he signs me, and and Wayne was obviously there at the time. And then Kennedy's out, and I hear rumors that Crisco might be coming. And then he called Pete and said he was he was going to take the job. So or Pete's my dad, and so yeah, it kind of developed fast and 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 randomly there. And and neither one of them actually even. I mean, Wayne was on staff recruiting me, but it was actually Pat Kennedy that that brought me in. Wayne says he convinced him too, so he'll take credit for that. <laughs> what was your reaction when you heard that Larry Kay was going to come back and be your head coach? I was I was pumped because I we we our family had always had a had a good re- relationship with him, and he's a good close friend of our family. So I was pretty pumped. Um, it obviously, you know, it's a, it's a little different when you're playing for someone um, full time, and as a, as opposed to especially at the D1 level as a, and, uh, instead of just, you know, having a relationship as a friend. So that, that changed the relationship a little bit, but I still felt a kind of unique connection to him. And I mean, Crisco was, you know, he's one of my idols growing up, just watching him play for the box. And his, he had a solid stint with the jazz too. And, and uh, we went down in Florida, so I'm playing for the magic. So um, yeah, we, uh, we got to follow him all over the place, but, um, that kind of changed that relationship, but it was awesome. It was it was a great experience, and those two years under him were some of my more fun, enjoyable basketball years, especially with the little tourney run we had. Well, in that second year, which was your first year really playing for the Grizzlies, you like you said, you go on a, a little tourney run. It's the greatest tourney run in the last 20 years in the Big Sky <laughs> Conference. Least, yes. you got to win in the yeah. NC2A tournament. So what do you remember about that whole experience and just the, the, the win against Nevada, but also everything leading up to that? Yeah, um, I had kind of, at the end of that year, I was really catching fire. I We had played our last uh, and I'm going to give both of these guys crap about this. So the last game of the season, we play NAU. It's Criswell senior night. Pretty awesome game. Criswell throws down just a vicious dunk, and I think I was screaming in his face louder than I ever have in my, oh my entire life. I was sitting in the front of the student section. My brain fell out of my head. I couldn't believe that he could actually <laughs> dunk, let alone dunk on someone in traffic. Sadly, it never got back <laughs> into his head either. <laughs> yeah, that, that play's got it. Somebody's got to get some footage and throw that on YouTube. That was an awesome play. But his senior night obviously went awesome, and I, I had came out. I had 24 in that first half. I was absolutely on fire, and then those two decided to only play me for 26 minutes that game, and I was not in foul trouble. <laughs> but I was I was a little salty about that one because I literally, I think I finished like 12 of 
15 from the field. I felt like it could not miss. But uh, so I, I kind of started rolling then. And then we had, I mean, this this run could have never happened. And, and, and it goes for any team. You got to win close games. But Eastern almost had us there, took us. And I mean, they have one of the, one of the best big sky players ever in Rodney Stuckey. And they, they gave us a scare in that, in that tournament game in the big sky tournament. And then we went on and beat NAU and Virgil had like 21 points. I think I had 20 and we uh, dismantled NAU at home, which felt good again. They pulled the fire alarm on us trying to get us to take our celebration elsewhere. But we kind of took that momentum. We get selected. We're all at paradise falls. We get selected to play Nevada and just seeing a team like Nevada, the second we saw that, I, we, we knew we were going to win. And we kind of, we were cocky walking around with the chip on our shoulder a little bit. I mean, not, not showboating or anything, but uh, we, we just had a swagger going into that game where we absolutely thought we were going to beat Nevada. And there wasn't a doubt about it. And we, we was all business on that trip and to, to Salt Lake to play in, in Crisco's home now, home, home stadium now. Um, which is kind of ironic too. So he had some good memories going into that job. And as we're watching that game, Pacific has Boston College beat. But we were sitting there thinking, we're like, we got, we're going Sweet 16. We got this. Because we were thinking we were going to play Pacific in that 12-13 game and ride that into the Sweet 16. Obviously, that didn't happen. But uh, we ran into BC, which is definitely a, a loaded team with three, four NBA guys on there. So, yeah. Kostoviak's coaching style in general, I think the one thing that maybe gets forgotten, and rightfully so because you guys were so good in the postseason, you guys didn't win the regular season uh, in the, of the Big Sky either of those years. So, but No. But Larry had you guys ready for the tournament, every uh, the Big Sky tournament and the NCAA tournament. So why? I mean, what about his coaching style got you ready to perform your best at the biggest moments? Um, You know, it was – it's kind of a combination of things. We threw, we would throw some wrinkles in there, um, some new plays, make some adjustments. And it was kind of, you know, the regular season obviously meant something, but the way he had us prepare and mentally and just get ready, it was just kind of different. It was like all of a sudden both years, we kind of flipped this switch and, and I, I don't know quite how he did it, but he was like, all right, now, now we go, you know? Nothing before this matters. Um, just getting that mindset in us, and I mean, we were ready to roll. Our, our practices were sharp. I mean, it's the it's the ideal thing you want as a coach to peak at the end, you know. And that's what both those teams did. And it was just, you know, we had we had well designed practices, and and we were clicking. And it, it, you know, sometimes you can't even explain it. It's just having the ball go in the basket, talking guys up, getting them going, getting them confident into the postseason is, is, you know, a recipe that as you look at both Wayne and Crisco's careers now, I mean, uh, Larry's made it twice to the NCAA tournament since then. And I think Wayne's only made it once. So it's a tough thing to crack, you know, Jordan, it's interesting because almost the inverse was the case during Larry's playing career at the university of Montana. And he, when, when, when he spoke with him, you know, it, it was, he was, 
you know, disappointed, obviously, that he never got a chance to play in the NCAA tournament. Were you aware of that as a player for him at, at the time? And obviously you broke through the first year, you know, your redshirt year, but then to do it again, was that something that, you know, you noticed or recognized as being even a, a big deal or even known at all that, hey, th- now he's going to the tournament for the first time because he didn't get there as a player and that kind of closed that circle for him? Yeah, definitely. And you could see that 100% on his face and, and in his actions that that was, I mean, up until that point in his career, coaching-wise, um, that was probably one of the bigger victories in his career just to kind of get that monkey off his back a little bit. And for him to do it, Two years in a row is obviously huge uh, for any any team in the Big Sky. I mean, the the Grizz have done a great job of that these last quite a few years. Have just dominated the Big Sky, which is which is awesome to see. Sit back and watch, but that was that was huge for Crisco. He was pretty emotional about that. Then when Larry K moves on, goes to the NBA, transition. Wayne Tinkle takes over. What do you remember? Just the feeling amongst the team, because it's a guy you're familiar with, but obviously probably sad that that Coach K is leaving. So, I mean, what what was just the general reaction for yourself and the team when when Larry moved on? Um, you know, we were we were disappointed because we we thought um, we really had something going, um, and we were kind of, you know, you win it twice in a row. You're thinking the third years of for sure, especially. I mean, we we had lost some guys, but uh, we still had some big pieces coming back so it it was kind of tough is an adjustment and anyone who's played I mean Wayne up until that point coach Tinks was he was about the best head assistant personality wise as you could get and for him it's his, it's his first job taken over the head head job and I mean there's a book written about it I forget what it's called about sitting sitting a foot to the the left uh making that move from a head assistant to head coach is a big move and a tough move. So that, that obviously that was a kind of a tough transition, I think for everyone, but you know, we didn't, didn't end up getting back to the tournament. So. You played three years ultimately for, for coach Tinkle and sort of built each year and you finished, you know, second, I think in the conference in your senior season. And then after that, the, the following year, they did break through again and get back to the tournament for three of the next four years. So in that transition where you're working with coach Tinkle and again, a guy that you have this relationship with going into it, do you say, okay, you know, like this, that's what needed to happen. And we're glad that, you know, we, we worked through that process to get the, the program to, to the right spot. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's, I mean, that he, and like you said, he did a great job um, after that getting there. I know we were all working through things, trying to adjust. And it just, it, it was, I think it was different for a lot of guys because, you know, you go from that head assistant job to where you're a little more hands-on with the guys, a little more rah-rah, you know, you're you're picking them up a little more to where as a head, you know, you're, you're sometimes you're a little more cut off and disconnected from the team in, in a lot of respects um, that, that may have changed this last 15 years. But I know just seeing him go from, from being that head assistant and, and his personality changing a bit, um, I guess we just, as players, we didn't adjust and, and coaches that we just didn't do enough. But we, we battled through. We had some solid seasons, um, and it, it was a great time. No complaints there, but yeah, like you said, Lee, that it led to three three titles in four years is pretty 
awesome. And, and you saw obviously seeing that that took Wayne to Oregon State, and he's had a decent little run there. It's been so fun for us just studying and learning the history of all this because we both grew up in Missoula too and and follow Grizz basketball, but to just really dive in and, and to hear the stories of you know Mike Montgomery and Larry Kostowiak when they were together in the 80s falling short and then the triumph that it was when Stu Morrill got the team to the tournament for the first time since Judd Heathcote, what that moment was like. And then I know Blaine Taylor had it rolling all through the 90s and then he sort of abruptly leaves to go to Stanford with Mike Montgomery and then there was a moment there where it kind of dipped. And I know Don Holst made that run to the tournament, uh, but then he was sort of controversially fired. And then Pat Kennedy comes in. That doesn't work out. And so there was a moment where Grizz basketball it lost some of its momentum that it had gained for so long. But then you guys going back-to-back tournaments and winning that tournament game, I think Ryan and I would both agree that is what really set the stage to accelerate the program to where it is now. And here, when you look back on it now, since that moment – the Grizz have won, I think, seven of the last 14 Big Sky titles. They won five out of ten this last decade, and they're sitting here in first place now. So as a former Grizz yourself and a guy that grew up around the program, how much pride does that give you, the fact that you guys were able to sort of relay the foundation and, and help uh, set that for what these guys are building on now? Oh, definitely. It's awesome. I mean, and, and it always gives you something to talk about. Even when I was in Europe for those years after I was done playing with the Grizz, I'd be wearing Grizz gear and whether it's football or, or, or basketball, um, I had people recognize my gear over there quite a few times and I'd see a little bit of Grizz gear and it just, I mean, to show you how recognized, uh, the university is and, and kind of the prestige it's held to, I mean, it's hit worldwide. I saw it quite a bit in Europe. Um, but it's just always, always awesome to see him in the tournament, especially so many times this last few years. And, and maybe think about taking them in your bracket if you don't want to get too crazy. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, hopefully, I mean, we're kind of, I've talked with a few teammates from that 2005, six team and we're kind of turning into the dolphins where we, we don't want anyone to uh, win a tourney game. Cause we kind of <laughs> want to be the last, stand, last standing here, but that, that's typically when a, uh, when a Grizz team doesn't win the big sky, that is of course. But, um, yeah, so it's it's awesome to watch, sit back and watch and, and get them in your bracket every year and especially kick the crap out of the Cats most years too is always nice because Billings is a pretty 50-50 split, so that gives me a few extra talking points. Well, Jordan, we appreciate all the time you spent with us here to talk with us about uh, uh, Coach K and Coach Tinkle as well. Best to you and uh, appreciate you being on the podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Good catching up. Who do businesses throughout the Pacific Northwest turn to for innovative internet and voice solutions? Blackfoot. Our cybersecurity, network uptime, ergo, and SD-WAN solutions ensure your organization is online all the time. Learn how Blackfoot can enable your business to move forward. Call 406-541-5000 or visit goblackfoot.com slash grizzgreats. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Well, our thanks to Andrew Strait and Jordan Haskett for joining us on this bonus episode of Grizz Grace, the coaching tree. Hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did. Who knew that an NBA player was living in Jordan Haskett's basement and then would later become his head coach, Larry Kay. That's pretty great. I love that story. And uh, yes, goes to show you the 
family ties that uh, that bind. There is probably no bigger basketball family tied to the University of Montana than the Haskets, maybe the Selvigs, but the point is is that you're all just sort of tied in there together. Pretty unbelievable and, uh, and great stuff from both those guys. We certainly appreciate it. This is where it started to get really nostalgic for me. 2006 NCAA tournament win was one of the highlights of my sports watching career. Right. One of the few games that I wasn't acting as a journalist in. I was only 19. I had not started working at the Montana Common yet. I had not started writing professionally yet. So I got to watch it as just a member of the student body, and what a thrill those guys gave. Love the story that Haskett told about Kevin Criswell rising up for a dunk. Kevin Criswell straight up had such a high motor that he would get done with basketball games and he would come play intramurals. He would come play at the rec center. He would bring his pizza that the team had given him yeah. and he would eat while he was out and still just kill us. And we're like, dude, well, of course. Do you have any do you get tired? Like what are you an alien? But we we had no thought that he could ever even dunk and when he dunked that was also one of the great moments. Those teams were spectacular to watch and Larry Kostoviak deserves a ton of credit for building them. And it'll be interesting to share with you guys the rest of this coaching tree because Kristoviak relayed the foundation and then since then, with Wayne Tickle and Travis DeGuerre coming after him, University of Montana has been the program in the Big Sky Conference and one of the best mid-major programs in the West. Thanks so much for being with us on this bonus episode of Grizz Greats, the Coaching Tree. Listen, subscribe, rate, review. We appreciate all of that. For Colton Nuanas, I'm Ryan Tutel. Thanks for listening.